Hey guys, this is Jenny Allen, and you are listening to the Made for This podcast. I have such a treat for every one of you. You're going to love this. If you don't know my friend, Jill Briscoe, you need to know her. She came into our lives. I actually met her through a prison ministry. We were ministering together, and I just knew she needed to come on the IF stage for a lot of reasons. And when I brought her there, she came and she spoke and, I mean, brought the house down. And I don't think, Jill, you even realized how many people you were speaking to when you you, you thought it was just the room, and yet you crashed the internet. <laughs> I thought it was teenagers, youth for Christ, and I thought there were about 300. <laughs> yeah, there were a few more than that all over the world watching you live. And it was so powerful. And I think one reason it was so powerful, Jill, is because there is a craving in all of us to see what it looks like to live well all the days of our life. And you and Stuart have not slowed down. You are continuing to do whatever God calls you to do every day. And I am so glad to have you here. We're entering this, these few weeks, we're talking about emotions and I, I wanted to have you on right at the beginning because I wanted you to show us and talk through what it looks like to steady your mind and to steady your heart as you walk through, because you've walked through all different kinds of things in your life, difficult and great. And I know that that walk with Jesus is still the prize for you. And so I want to talk about your relationship with Jesus, Jill, what that looks like and how that has been kept all these years through prayer. So tell us about your prayer life, even today. Well, I think up front, we have to get over the idea that prayer is the way we can twist God's arm to get what we want. Most people think of prayer only as petition, as asking God. But uh, I was taught by the person that led me to Jesus that (laughs) Prayer is the speaking part of our relationship with God, but it can't happen without him talking to us. It's communication. Think of it as a conversation. You with your own children, do you always give them everything they ask you? Do you always um, say, well, bang on the door a bit more and maybe mommy will do it? And I find especially children and young people get the idea, oh, good. Uh, There's somewhere I can go where there's a supernatural power and I can get what I want and what I need. It's not just what I want, the selfish part of us. And uh, if you can just get in your mind, it is a different sort of communication because we're speaking to an unseen being and that's not what we're used to doing. But that unseen being's got rules about our conversation. Just like as a parent, you have rules. Do not talk to me like that, I said to my kids. <laughs> and let's, let, let's discuss this. And God wants to discuss everything in our lives. And that's what prayer is. What have you seen in the years deep in your prayer life? Practice. Practice what you preach, <laughs> your behavior. Practice what you converse with God about and how and where and when. If you have a problem with prayer, listen to me, pray about it. Nobody does that. They just have a problem and it either stops their prayer life or they get 
bitter or angry or sit in the pigsty and don't get around to saying, I will go and talk to my father about this, as the prodigal son did. And so it's communication. But first we have to listen. And the biggest thing, because I'm a lady or a woman or a girl, is been in my life to listen. I'm a talker. And if you're a talker, you find prayer difficult. You find prayer very difficult because it's the listening part through reading his word. That's how you listen. And you listen in church with a pencil in your hand and a piece of paper every time you go, as soon as the pastor starts to teach. And you listen to people in your youth group and all of that. And you learn to listen first before you start to talk. And that will transform your prayer life. How have you seen God answer prayer over the course of your life? Uh, I've seen him say yes. I've seen him say no. And I've seen him say wait. How have I seen him answer me? He doesn't answer me till I've been obedient to what he's told me to do. Well, I, we'll talk about that when you've done this. So the heavy part that, I mean, do you pray more than you read your Bible? Most kids do. Most teenagers do. Most millennials do. Most adults do. Most seniors do. (laughs) We all do. We're much more interested in telling God what to do with our requests than we are to listening to his requests. And sometimes he says, well, when you get around to doing this, I'll tell you. And so... If I just give you a very simple little thing that I was put on at Cambridge when I came to Jesus, read your Bible every day and look for, one, a promise to claim, two, a warning to heed, three, a promise to claim, a warning to heed, um, something about Jesus, something about you. Command, a warning, a promise. If you can tell the world there is a navigators, go to navigators, they have the most fabulous help to prayer of anything I've ever found. And that's what they, this was out of their little booklets for students. And I just began to do that. And so a warning tells me don't. And a command tells me do. So you do the do's and you don't do the do nots. I have a poem somewhere about do not the do nots, but I can't remember it. <laughs> okay, let's talk about why you have never left Jesus. Like, why do you still, Jill, at this age, love him and walk with him and you see it worth the entire use of your life because you and Stuart have poured out your lives, all of them, just about for him? Well, I've had my moments like the Apostle Paul did when he said, heal me, heal me, heal me. And God said, no, no, no. And not just on health, but on different things. Then it's a question of saying, yielding, like Paul did and said, okay, and quit praying that. And said, so what do you want me to do? And God said, get arrested again and be chained to a guard. And because I let that happened to you and said, no, the whole of Caesar's household will find me. And I would say to you, my life is like that. I more often say no and have to argue it out with God than I do yes when the tough stuff comes. But I just keep coming back to this 
talk it out. And then he's promised to give you the power to do what he says, not the power to do what you're asking him to let you do, unless that's his will. And so um, I've learned it the hard way. I've said no, and I've missed the most incredible opportunities for Jesus. And the first time that happened, I said, I'll never do that again. I, I could have done that. And so you just learn to say yes, just yes to everything, just yes. Mm. We're talking about emotions right now on the podcast. And what power do you see that prayer has when you're facing overwhelming emotions? I see that you have to do it, whatever the emotions are trying to tell you to do. My biggest help to people has been an experience I had when I was doing street ministry years ago as a teacher in Liverpool. And there was one, I'd I'd been in the pubs and all those places, chased my kids from school back into there. But there was one place that was really the pits and dangerous. And I'm very fond of myself and I didn't want to go in. By then I was um, leading uh, with my husband a youth ministry. And uh, I got the Bible students that I was training with me out in outreach. And I'm pretty bossy, as you can tell. <laughs> now, you go over there, you know. That's fine. I'll pray for you. That was nice of me. Uh, and you go there, and you go on the fairground, and you go in that pub. And I turned around and realized my rule was you took somebody with you. And I'd forgotten to keep somebody with me. And I was outside the floral hall and um, very dingy drug place. It was full probably of 500 teenagers and listening to the beat music that had just become famous. And uh, so I thought, oh, well, I better pray. And I was so frightened, I can't tell you. I'm a very fearful woman. I never stopped being a fearful woman. So I prayed for courage. And I said, God, if you expect me to go in on my own, then give me courage. Amen. And the courage didn't come. And then I had this conversation, well, what is courage? And I prayed for feelings. And the feelings didn't change. I was terrified. They just chucked two people out at my feet and all of that. And the police were there. And I knew, I prayed for the, I was paralyzed with fear. And I, I never went in. So I took the team back and I went back the next night on my own. If you if you fail, you get back until you sort it out. And now I'm on my own. And I start again. Okay, give me courage. And suddenly the Lord said to me, will you go in without it for me? Will you go in frightened? Mm. I could do that. Anybody can do that. <laughs> so I took my will by the hand and I walked in and I had enough will to get myself in there when I got in there I had enough and never enough not to stay vigilantly frightened which you need to in a dangerous place but I I just got in courage is fear that said its prayers okay mm. Mm. And the prayer is, I'll do it frightened. (laughs) Every missionary in the world in dangerous places has had to do that. 
God doesn't say, oh, I love being persecuted. This feels great. It's stupid. And so we will have to do some things that we do not want to do, but we know we should. Go into all the world. That was part of my world. It was the mission field between my own two feet. And so I was throwing other people into doing it. They were doing it. Kids were doing it. My Bible school students, 19 and 20, frightened. And they taught me. Hey, mister, I was scared to death, like, but, but I, I managed to do it, like, right? Yes. There is a crisis of anxiety right now. In, and let's just talk to the church, to Christians, people that love Jesus, and yet there's paralyzing anxiety. What would you say to somebody listening that is fighting anxiety and worry and stress? Well, you can allow it to, to define your life or you can get help. And... Listen to me, because I have people very close to me that have had anorexia, okay? And if I didn't know Jesus, I'm sure I would have headed for that door too. So there is special help for those of you that are thinking of killing yourself or those of you that are thinking of injecting or whatever you're giving into or just normal paralyzing fear, which... I, I understand that. This is a fearful place. Do you know something? I travel the world. I've been to the most dangerous places in the world. But I'm just as scared in America because of the guns as I would be. I can walk free in Jordan as a woman at midnight and be safe. And so that's a living thing. We get threats like you do, Jenny, like everybody does in America. And it is a dangerous place, and we should take note of that and take precautions and do what we need to do to stay safe and keep our families safe. But to let it paralyze you from living for your family or for your community or for Jesus, you can't let that happen. So just like I've said, give me enough courage to do it. Help me. Make sure that what you're doing and just living here, it's going to stop you going to college. It's going to stop you just doing anything in your life in America, I'm afraid, because we know this could be our last day. Let me tell you this. Every day ordained for you is written in his book before one of them comes to be. Psalm 139, 16 to 18, write it in your Bible. It means God has a plan for you every day of your life. One day it will be to go home to heaven, naturally or unnaturally. That day is written. When that day comes, you and I will go. We will not be allowed to stay. Our body will return to the earth and the spirit to the God who gave it, the Bible says. Until then, it won't happen. Read Psalm 71. Um, David's about to be murdered by his favorite son. He's in a cave hiding from him. Nice. He's in past middle age, and he prays for more time. 
And in Psalm 71, he says, Give me more time that I may declare your power to the next generation, your might to all who are to come. Jenny, that's why I'm still doing this. That verse was given to me when I was 50, and I've had to go back to it over and over again. Read Psalm 71. You just do it frightened if you need to. Now, if you're really suffering from serious anxiety that needs professional help, that means psychological help, that means spiritual help, that means all sorts of help, get it. It is available here. There isn't any way you cannot get that help, and you should. And they'll help you with the psychological, and Jesus will help you with the spiritual. So good, Jill. I'm thinking about the woman who is listening to you. It sounds like, from us talking today, and honestly, just knowing you now for years, that the purposes of God are so in your forefront that emotions and sidetracking just kind of falls to the side. And so talk to the person that feels like they don't know what their purpose is or they don't know what to do next. Because I do think that sometimes that paralyzing anxiety just puts us in a corner and we're not moving forward. We're not making choices because we don't even know what choices to make. Right. You've got to have courage to ask for help. And courage is a decision. I I pray anybody listening to this and saying, (laughs) you don't get it. And it is beyond normal anxiety. It is stopping you living. You have to ask for help. I trust you know Christ. The first place I'd love you to go is to church, pastor, uh, lift up your phone to, to this organization, to Jenny's organization. They will put you in touch with help. I have a magazine uh, just between us. We have somebody on our phones literally all day. They know that we are a ministry. You can pick up the phone and ask for emergency help. There are other places that you can do that. Get yourself, just get the courage to do it. Otherwise, you're done. And so that's for the um, not too extreme. We have the largest eating disorder place in the world here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. They come from all over the place. And it's full. And it's full of millennials upwards, everybody. So get help if it's really urgent. But spiritually, you need God. Have you ever really accepted him? Do you know If not, find out. (laughs) Just get the courage. The biggest courage you will need is this. Take take your will by the hand and walk into your local church, pick up the phone to focus on the family, to any of the telling the truth. Um, Jenny's organization, she would tell you where to get help. And um, otherwise, if it's normal which all of us suffer from, just ordinary people like you and me, get help. And the help you need is from God. How well do you read your Bible? Do you know what you're doing? Are you only looking in it for you? And just take that little thing, look for a promise to claim, a command to obey, a warning to heed, do not the do-nots, do the do's. And you'll find your answers there. Well, I desperately needed prayer when one of our kids was in big trouble, and that's a long time ago. Hey, Jenny, I just became a great grandma. Oh, Jill, congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) 
Um, but I got some bad news about uh, trouble that one of our kids was in hundreds of years ago, one of our own children, and um, adult, young adult. And I got down when I got it from the phone in the kitchen and on my knees and said, if I ever needed my prayers to work, it's now. And I went to my desk and I started a Genesis and let my mind, like, have you seen people play the piano and their fingers run all the way? Do that. Just sit there and look at the thing. Start a Genesis. Where is a person whose prayers worked? I wanted to know. And I came to three or four in the Old Testament, but I went right to the New, to James 5. And he used Elijah as a man who was a goat herd to pray a prayer that changed his world. And he was just a goat herd. He was probably 19. And he knew how to pray. And he heard about what Ahab was doing to the prophets of the Lord and Jezebel and all of that. And he prayed, show them, Lord. Now he prayed according to the Bible because his father had passed on the faith. He was Hagar's line. And he had told the stories. And he apparently knew four times it says in the Old Testament, if you worship other gods, I'll show you what I feel. I'll stop the rain. And so this goat herd prayed, stop the rain. And the rain stopped. The rain stopped. I needed prayers like that at that point to stop something happening. And I started to study Elijah. And it's all about him. Go to that book. Actually, my book, Prayer That Works, is where I went to. It ended up like that. What happened in Elijah's life when he prayed? And God said yes. But there's a huge time when God says no in his life. Just just read his prayer life. Or get somebody else's prayer life. James used him as an example uh, because he only had the Old Testament. Look in the New Testament. And so again, look in the scriptures for what you need. Do you need prayer for strength? Just you're fine with God, but you need strength to endure something. It's the sort of same sort of strength, but there'll be help in the scriptures. So who in the Bible endured? Well, Jesus. Okay, <laughs> that's obvious. Look what he prayed when he was in trouble. Do you know there's a verse in Hebrews that talks about Gethsemane? And it says that Jesus prayed with loud cries, Father, is there any other way? And God said, my son, if there was, I would have done it and told you. And he said, then not my will, but thine be done, and went to the cross. Do you think he was happy? Do you think he was saying, this is wonderful? No, there are times you'll have to yield to living through a difficult time, but not without the power of God to do it, if you know him. And so the big thing is, get first things first. Ring Jenny's helpline or whatever that you know, I know you offer that help. Or ring ours and uh, or any of, go to church. Hey guys, just walk into church. I don't care what sort of denomination it is. Walk in and ask a leader. I need help. This is so good, Jill. Would you close us in prayer? Would you pray for these these that are listening that that are fighting emotions? Right. right. Dear Lord, I pray for all that are listening and that have listened and are saying, well, it sounds like pie in the sky. I tried it. It didn't work. I pray for you, my sisters. I pray for you. 
If you don't know Jesus in this quiet moment now, just say, help Jesus. I need to know you. Come into my life by your spirit. I don't know what I'm asking, but I know I need this, whatever it is. And Lord, for those that do know you, and they are absolutely under the power of their emotions, and the emotions they're under are ruining their life. God, show them, give them the power to ask for help. From Christian, from a doctor, from a policeman, from somebody today. And for those with just ordinary anxiety that is just not ordinary because it paralyzes us from doing anything for you, I pray. Release us, Lord. Give us victory. Turn us to your word. Speak to us today as we open the Bible in a quiet place. Help us to start to look for the promise to claim. Thank you, Lord. You have heard this prayer, and I believe you will answer it. Bless us all, we women, old and young. For Jesus' sake, amen. Hey friends, this is Chloe, and I'm so excited to tell you a little bit more about Jill and her ministry that she has with her husband, Stuart, and her son, Pete. It's called Telling the Truth, and if you want to hear more from Jill, you can go to tellingthetruth.org, and there's all kinds of resources there. There are audio devotionals you can listen to, videos from Jill. You'll just love everything that Jill has to say and how she walks us through scripture and just the wisdom that she has. So head over there today and check that out. And we appreciate you guys joining us. Don't forget to leave a review, subscribe to the podcast, and we will see you guys for this next episode of the Made for This podcast.